Welcome to Ascend and Transcend. My guest today is Robert Mack, and he's a positive psychology expert, celebrity happiness coach, and the author of Love from the Inside Out. He is somebody that I met a few years back, pre-pandemic, and I was actually on a show that he was a co-host of called Good Morning La La Land, and it was such a great experience because of him. He was somebody that I sat down next to and immediately knew I could get super spiritual, super woo-woo. I felt like we really just got each other. We were cut from the same cloth. So today's episode is great. He talks about a lot of things. We talk about you know his struggle with mental health, um, kind of coming into his own as he was growing up, and then how that really sparked this deep awakening and how you know kind of from the depths of our deepest pain can come these wonderful you know, divine interventions and this new level of comfort within yourself and your soul, which really breeds this happiness from the inside out. Um, We talk about materialism. We talk about what it's like living in Orange County in LA. He's in Miami now, all of these wonderful things. So it was a wonderful chat with him. And I think you'll get a lot of insight out of it. Rob Mack, it's so good to see you again. We were chatting before we hit the record button, and Rob and I go back to almost three years ago when I was a guest on Good Morning Good Morning La La Land, which was a phenomenal show with really great talent. And I think it's so great to see the evolution of you over those three years. You guys, if you weren't following him on Instagram, you absolutely should. Link in the show notes. But I feel like you're out there just bringing the vibe up, and you're consistent with your content, and you're consistent with your message of love and happiness. So. I'm so happy to have you on the show today, Rob. I'm so excited to be here. I need to come back here more often. Just yeah. On an intro. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You know, I feel like there are, I mean, there's so many people on social out there with a message, but I feel like you're a real one. I think some people are doing it because they think that it might kind of sell or get followers. But Rob is a real deal. Like when I saw him three years ago, I swear to God, I was like, he is my people. Um, We were sitting there. We were both kind of witchy. We were both woo-woo. And I think the other co-host was kind of like not really buying it. I think I said to her, you have in your life exactly what you believe you deserve. And she didn't really, that didn't really resonate. Well, maybe it did resonate with her, but she was like, oh, I don't believe that. Maybe people want more money or they look, they look at their surroundings and say, I believe I deserve better. And I was like, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't have it, you don't really believe it. And you were like nodding. And I was like, see, he gets me and I get you. So I want to talk a little bit about what you've been up to since we last saw each other, because it's been a lot. You're now in Miami and I love your book, Happiness from the Inside Out and Love from the Inside Out. So I would love for you to just introduce yourself a bit to our listeners and talk a little bit about what the inspiration was behind both of these wonderful books. Yeah. So first of all, I just have to reflect back to you. I am so deeply grateful and uh, appreciative to be connected to you and be in conversation with you. Yeah, lots since then has remained the same, but lots has changed. I continue to be about the work of peace and love and happiness. And that's really the work that I am most passionate about. Sometimes I do it on TV. Sometimes I do it through the written word, through books. Sometimes I do it through talks. It's always the same work, essentially. I really work as a positive psychology expert by trade. I was educated and have a master's in applied positive psychology which is the science of happiness, right? So I do that and then I write books about it, happiness from the inside out, love from the inside out. And I work as a celebrity happiness and love coach. All of that is just a way to say, I was a really deeply unhappy and depressed and suicidal little kid for most of my life. And I never thought I'd ever be able to dig out of that depression and suicidal ideation. I got so bad, I got to a place where I 
began researching suicide and uh, decided I was going to slash my wrist in the kitchen, dug in my wrist. And the most unexpected thing happened at the time when I dug that knife in, I experienced the most inexplicable peace and like limitless love and inexpressible or ineffable joy that I'd ever experienced before. And I couldn't really explain why. Like my life was pretty good on the outside. On the inside, I felt terrible for it. And digging that knife in and then having and feeling all these really positive, lifting feelings really just blew my mind. So I postponed the suicide for a little while. And in that time, I started doing a different kind of research. And it's been a few decades later and uh, I'm doing the work I do now. And so all the books I write really are an attempt for me to express the lessons and the takeaways that I've gleaned over the years. And from the inside out, love from the inside out, no different than that. So what do you think that was, that feeling that washed over you, that peace as you were really in the act of committing suicide? Do you feel like that was your non-physical self? Do you feel like that was God? Do you feel like that was a physiological response to the trauma? Yeah, that was true. My true nature shining through, all of our true nature shining through. It was just the light and the love that we not only have inside, but ultimately and essentially are. I was just getting a real clear glimpse of it for once because my mind was finally quiet. I was still in silent inside for just a micro moment or two. And in that micro moment or two, the clouds parted and lightning sort of struck. So that was just really, I call it divine intervention, but it really, it's the true nature. It's our true essence. It's the peace, love, and happiness that we all essentially and ultimately are. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. I think that when you feel really deeply like that, you can have those big emotions and that can go either way. They can be a swing up or a swing down. And I know that there have definitely been times where I didn't go as far as like researching it or kind of plotting it out. But I think anybody who hasn't contemplated suicide, I I don't know if they're being honest with themselves. I think in this culture, death is something that we're taught to fear and really reject. And that's why cancer patients, even terminal ones, it's like, well, you got to fight it. You got to fight. It's like, who says so? Like maybe your soul is actually completed its journey and is going to move on. But we really refuse that here. I mean, and I'm not saying I don't want to be reckless here. Anybody who's having mental health issues, absolutely seek out some support. But I think sometimes it takes you to that point so that you can have that breakthrough, right? The bigger the breakdown, the bigger the breakthrough. Powerful. Absolutely. I mean, and it was in all that pain, that deep pain that I found my highest and greatest purpose too, right? that, And also to your point, I mean, it was in the contemplation of death that I found true life, which is odd in a way. But, you know, I finally felt like, let me just go ahead and live. I always got this suicide thing in my back pocket. Let me just go do some stuff and have some things and enjoy some things that maybe I otherwise wouldn't because I was afraid or I was concerned about other people's opinions or perspectives or whatever. And I started to live a much more alive sort of existence in life. And I found that to your point too, it's like, life is phenomenal. I mean, I love life. It's great. And at the same time, as my uncle used to say, it's a big old ghetto too. You live in a big old ghetto and the body can be a prison. The world can be a prison. Right. You haven't suffered and everyone suffered and you haven't been aware or become aware of your suffering. It's very difficult to find true peace, love, and happiness. It makes it sweet that much sweeter. So yeah, yeah me, it's like I love life. At the same time, there's something about contemplating death that makes me feel relaxed. Right. Because there's nothing to fear. And you can always kill yourself tomorrow. Right. Exactly. Like, it's not, it, that can be your backup, right? If but I think in that lies the freedom of, well, then it doesn't matter what I do today. I'm gonna do exactly what I wanted to experience when I chose to manifest into this body, right? 
So I want to ask you something because you've lived in LA and now Miami, and those are very flashy cities. And I am a Midwest girl who came to Orange County five years ago. And everybody was like, watch out. I don't want you coming back at Christmas with new boobs or a nose or a bag. <laughs> and and I didn't, but I, I actually was talking to my husband last night because I'm about to go to New York and meet with some really, you know, kind of intimidating people. And I said, I really feel like I should get some sort of like designer handbag. I go because nobody will really care, but they they do look at your bag. And he's like, that's the most ridiculous thing. I mean, I carry a $20 Amazon crossbody. Like that is my bag. I've never had a designer bag. And I always at one point kind of judged people who had like a $10,000 Chanel. I'm like, what are you hiding? Or what are you trying to make up for? But in this moment, I felt myself feeling inadequate unless I had this material thing. Because every time I go to a dinner in Beverly Hills, everybody has a separate chair for their bag. And these aren't shallow people that I'm meeting with. These are woke people. I mean, like, but here I am falling prey to it. So I wanted to kind of get your insight. I love that you say happiness from the inside out. But when you're also completely surrounded by a very materialistic world and certain cities specifically than others, how do you really fend off that, that calling, that need to feel like you need the thing to be validated in certain groups? Yeah, it's such a great question. I'd say that for me, like every case of unhappiness is a case of mistaken identity, right? So if I mostly think and believe that I'm a mind and a body or personality or a job or my financial status or my relationship status, I'm in trouble. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be unhappy. The second I remind myself and remember that ultimately I'm this thoughtless, wordless, faceless, formless, infinite, eternal, non-physical energy that sometimes I call source or spirit or infinite intelligence or just life or the self, the capital S, all that goes away, right? So part of the recognition for me is that everything I'm looking for and seeking exists within me and only me. And so the more I can tap in and tune in and turn onto that on a consistent basis, it doesn't require so much effort all day, every day day to fend off these other thoughts. There's that. That's the first piece. And part of the real way to come to that realization is just look at your life. It's like, oh my gosh, all the things that I have in my life, I would, I prayed for, I prayed for over and over to get all this stuff, right? And to have all these experiences. And can I say that as a result of that stuff and that stuff alone, that I'm any happier? No, not really. You get the $50,000 car and now you need a $100,000 car. And you make $5 million and now you need a $100 million. It's like, so that recognition, sort of combination of those things your true nature, and also the ways in which nothing and nobody has ever made you permanently, lastingly, meaningfully, and abidingly happier helps to solve it for me. Now, there's also at the same time for me, a recognition that not everyone is at that same place, right? So sometimes they look at someone like you and you're so telegenic and you're photogenic, you're beautiful, you're, you're brilliant. And believe it or not, that matters. It matters a great deal, okay? And uh, to other people, relatively, it matters, okay? So I always want to look my best. I want to sound my best. I want to do my best because most folks do judge a book right. by color and by appearances. And you can save yourself a ton of work sometimes by just having a well-fitted blazer. It's ridiculous. Right. Ridiculous. I mean, it really is. Like you won't believe the difference that can be made by a beautiful bag, a well-fit blazer, shoes that are clean, a nice it's a watch, okay? And that doesn't mean you have to invest any of your identity or happiness in it at all. It's simply one way to pre-pave a conversation in such a way that you keep the other person's mind and heart open to receive the truth and the substance and the content of who and what you truly are. 
right? right? You want to make it easier for yourself. So I believe in being rich in all ways, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. And if you can, for sure, materially, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. So you're saying they might be judging me by my $20 Amazon bag. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe. But but the other part of it too is like, it doesn't necessarily, I don't think the designer matters that much or how much it costs. It's just, how do you rock it? Right, right. You rock a $20 bag, like it's a $500,000 bag. I do. I mean, it's not canvas. I mean, we're not going to get crazy here. It's vegan <laughs> leather, but it's just the perfect size. But I, I, I like that you said that instead of just kind of like a blanket statement of like material shit doesn't matter. And you're a hypocrite if you then, as a coach, go and invest in something like that. Because I do think that it, it makes you feel a certain way too. Like we do have a nice car and it's, it's one that I saved up for and it's like my company car and I feel wonderful driving it and I love it and I appreciate it. And it really isn't for other people. It's for me and the way it makes me feel. And it's a, it is a representation of my hard work. So maybe the bag could be a representation of that as well versus a ticket into a conversation or to bypass some initial judgment. You just nailed it. And I feel that way completely. It's, it's the feeling of confidence, of happiness, of peace, of joy that is magnetic, that is attractive. And so you find sometimes that props help you feel that way. Great. Use the props. It's fine. Don't become dependent on the props, right? But you can use the props. And, and so to your point, it's like, am I buying this bag from a place of desperation or from a place of inspiration? It's like, and there's nothing wrong with playing with any of it. The beautiful thing about it is that you can buy the bag. Let's say you, you come from a place of desperation, you buy a bag that's too expensive and you, you'll get to the meeting and you'll find that because you're still feeling empty inside or whatever, you don't show up in the way that you would otherwise. And you can certainly learn from that experience and next time you can do it differently. So you yeah. can't get it wrong. You never get it right. Never hurts, but you can't get it wrong. So I'd say that at the end of the day, for me, at least, prior to number one is showing up as tapped into and turned on as humanly possible, which means being in touch with, connected with, and aligned with source itself. Right. Oh my God, I feel like I'm talking with Esther Hicks. If you guys... That particular phrase, I just love it. No, I know. And she, and she, sometimes like when she says it or when Abraham says it, if anybody doesn't know who Esther Hicks is, Google it. She's incredible. I think that there's really no other way to say it sometimes, right? And in my book, she's one of the guiding lights in there. And I just like, not plagiarize, I give her credit for everything. But like, I mean, that I feel like is kind of my go-to, right? Anything Abraham Hicks, there's always this wonderful message of feeling in soul alignment. And anytime you feel the icky feelings or you feel inadequate, it's really because you're knocked out of alignment. And so our only job is to get back to feeling good. So I love you did a post on Instagram, a video the other day, and it was loneliness versus aloneness. Can you kind of talk us through what you feel like the difference in those two phrases are? Yes. So aloneness is the objective experience of being alone. And so aloneness means that you're by yourself and there's no one around you. Loneliness is the subjective experience of being alone. So in other words, how do you feel Mm -hmm. about being alone? How do you feel in your aloneness? So aloneness is not and does not equate to and does not necessarily have to lead to loneliness, right? And loneliness isn't only the result of being alone. You can be and feel lonely in a crowd surrounded by hundreds of people or in a beautiful romantic relationship. And you can also not feel lonely. You can feel totally loved just sitting by yourself at home with nothing but your own thoughts to keep you company. 
right? So that tells you right then and there that aloneness is not loneliness and loneliness is not aloneness. And that if you feel lonely, yeah, sure, connect with people and shore that up by connecting with people, but understand that connecting with people will not shore up your disconnection with yourself. You have to shore that up directly within yourself. Okay, so how do we do that? Yeah, so there's really just two ways and you can overcomplicate it if you want, but you know, one is we can look for anything and anyone that makes us feel good when we focus on it, right? So we'll call that positive. I like to call it constructive thinking. Sometimes positive thinking sounds like pasting a smiley sticker over top. Like a Toxic positivity, yeah. Yeah, it's not that. It's not that. It's like, how can I think about or tell a story about my life, myself, other people, the world in such a way that it's true, but it's better feeling. Mm. So just let me look for the positive aspects, the best feeling aspects or traits of everybody and everything, no matter where I'm at, just to feel good. It's one way. There's a less effortful way, and I often find a more enjoyable way and a more direct way, which is just not thinking at all. We're all so obsessed with thinking and planning and scripting and worrying our way through every moment of our lives. It's exhausting. And when you think mostly positively all the time, it doesn't prevent adversity or contrast, as Abrahamics might call it, right? It doesn't prevent it. So there's an easier, lazier, smarter way to go about feeling that peace and that love and the happiness that you're ultimately after, which is just not thinking. Another way to say it is unit task. So do one thing at a time, remembering that thinking counts as one thing. When you're swiffering, just swiffer. Don't think. If you're showering, just shower. Don't think. If you're listening to someone, just listen. You don't need to think and plan and plot what your next question is going to be or what you're going to say. You do a great job with that, Elizabeth. So it's like the idea is just enjoy more moments for joy's sake alone with let, without letting all your thoughts get in the way. Yeah. I love that, Rob. And I think you're right. And I think sometimes it, that can be a struggle. And so for for me, and I would love to hear what your place is like, I have a mental place that I go and it's kind of like my mental happy place. Some people have a beach and I thought, yeah, mine will be the beach or whatever. And then I, when I would go to meditate or really be present or close my eyes and not be distracted by other senses, it wasn't the beach that was my place. It was really weird. It was like this pew in this white room looking at this big white screen. Yada, yada, yada. I'm watching like, I think it was like a Netflix series, like Beyond Death or something. And they're like, yeah, after your spirit dies, you go to this. Everybody has this different version of this place where they're able to see their lives. And it's this big white room on this big white screen. At least these people with near-death experiences had. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, so my happy place is this wooden pew in this white room. And it's this weird, comforting place. And I feel like that is where my soul's home is. And so sometimes I think when we want to envision what this beautiful place will be, this paradise, when we close our eyes and try to transport ourselves closer to source, it can feel very different. But I was, I, was, I was wondering if you have a place that you go in your mind when you're trying to kind of not think. Yeah, physically, I just go to the bar and just drink. <laughs> <laughs> not really. It's not really. It doesn't work for me. We've all tried that. It doesn't work. Yeah, so I, yeah. One of my favorite, most blissful moments maybe the most blissful moments that I experience in my life is when I'm slipping off to sleep in bed. Like when I'm in bed, I just love being in bed. And that moment when you're so tired that you can barely, you barely want to move and really are just, you've run out of thoughts. You've forgotten all your desires. You've forgotten all your fears. You've forgotten everybody else in the world. You've forgotten the world and you've forgotten yourself. That, that micro moment right before you slip off, that experience is so blissful to me. It's so peaceful. There's nothing can compete with that. Even my wildest dream realized can't compete with the bliss 
that I experienced in that micro moment. It's so clean. It's so pure. It's so beautiful. And so when I discovered that first thing, like last thing at night, first thing in the morning, I've just tried to milk that more and more every day. Like just let me be in that spot place. And so then I've discovered, well, I don't need to be in bed to do it. I can do it here and now. Just close my eyes and do it. And then I realized I don't need to close my eyes and do it. I can just always be in touch with that pure, blissful, beautiful silence and stillness inside. Yeah. At any point, for any reason, on demand at will. So for me, it doesn't look like anything. It doesn't sound like anything. It's stillness. It's a stillness that dances. It's a silence, but it's a sound, silence that shouts. It's not a dead, it's not like a funeral dirge, right? right? It's a live kind of peace and stillness and silence. So for me, um, there's nothing that I imagine or visualize. I'm sure early in my life, I probably did. And I think that's a great value. And I think that probably works a lot better for lots of people. For me, it's when I don't think anything at all. I love that. That is the tastiest part of going to bed. And I think too, there have been times when I've been in that place and I think to myself, okay, where do I want to go? And then a lot of times it's like, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else, but right here in this bed, in this house with my baby sleeping down the hall, like just knowing I, I wouldn't trade it for a five-star suite in Paris. I wouldn't trade it for anything else. So I love that you said that because I think a lot of times we, we are told and conditioned to want something else than what is actual in the present moment. But actually in these moments, even if you're on a walk right now listening to this or driving or sitting at a desk, a lot of times if you're just here right now, as Eckhart Tolle says, everything is actually all well in the present moment. There oh. isn't anything else to need except right being right here right now. Shivers, soul shivers. I guess soul shivers when you say this and you couldn't have said it more eloquently or more effectively. Completely agreed. Byron Katie says, life is sweeter than your fantasies about it. And I think that's true. Like reality is sweeter than your fantasies about it. And, and, and reality with the capital R, which means, and to your point, like when I first remember reading like Power of Now, it was like, I was still stuck on like, but right now my present moment sucks. Like I'm in physical pain or I don't have enough money or the job isn't going well or somebody's shouting at me, whatever it is. But like that's one level, yes. But then there's a deeper level right. where you're sort of like not just present, but you're being presence itself which means no, you're not, there's no judgment. There's no thoughts about what's happening, okay? You're just in that thoughtless, worthless place in space where you don't need to give anything outside of you your attention at all. Just right here and now, just drop in. It's like drop out and whatever's happening, drop in. And just experience that peaceful aliveness that's always there. So yes, Elizabeth, I love that so much. There's no other place to find, well, there's no other place, period. There's no other right. place to find peace, love, and happiness in the present moment. Right. Heaven is within, right? And I love that your books really speak to that. Everything that we need is actually within. And I think that can be a big gap for people to clear and really start to believe that. But I think that's the magic, right? When you need nothing, you get everything. And then you even get the stuff and then you're like, yeah, I don't really need that. And I'm sure you being around celebrities and stuff too, I have been really <laughs> like blatantly shown that money doesn't buy happiness with people that I've worked with, if anything, it just triggers this fear of then losing it. And then people live in this fear of losing this money someday. So Diddy was right when he said, mo money, mo problems. I really, <laughs> that is definitely like a lot of these very, very wealthy people feel trapped by that wealth. So be careful what you're wishing for. Oh, you're absolutely right. You can't ever get enough um, of something you never really needed or don't really need, right? Right. Bottomless and bottomless. Desire is bottomless. 
Yeah. That's part of the joy of it, right? That's also part of the pain of it. It's like you never get to the end of the internet and you never get to the end of desire. So every mountaintop you climb is just the starting point for the next mountaintop you're going to want to climb. So that can be a joy. You can find happiness in the pursuit or if you try to pursue happiness, and those are different experiences. If you're pursuing happiness, it's misery. <laughs> if you can find a way to enjoy the pursuit, that's happiness. Yeah. Uh, it also means enjoying each moment for itself, yeah. not thinking or believing that what you need to feel or find or achieve or experience is out in front of you in the future in somebody else's hands. That's the ultimate recipe for misery and for failure. Yeah. Oh my God. This is why I love you, Rob. You guys get his books, Happiness from the Inside Out, Love from the Inside Out. Follow him on Instagram. He is your daily dose of, I feel like, not just positivity with the fake emoji smile, but it really is deep. And I feel like you're one of the few that really walk the talk. So that's why I love connecting with you. Promise that you'll come back because I feel like there's lots more to talk about. And I know that there's going to be tons more content and probably more books that you're going to be out there with. But in the meantime, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful insights with our listeners today. And I have a lot of gratitude for our chat. So much love and appreciation for you. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, you're going to have to kick me out because I'll yeah. be back. <laughs> <laughs>